Well, good morning, church, and welcome again to those online and those that will watch us later. Hello to you as well. As we continue to worship here today, we're going to be jumping into our sermon, and uh, where it says Holy Week. That's all. You guys are excited for Holy Week? Yeah, there we go. It is Holy Week. I know I don't have a sermon series to like jump out and cheer for, but it is Holy Week, so you're going to be cheering for that today. And uh, we are excited because, of course, this is the most monumental week of our entire lives, and every time we remember it, there's another chance, another opportunity, no matter how many times we've taken this to remember in the many years of our lives, but it's another chance to stand in awe of God. I hope that we do that here today. Well, so often on Palm Sunday, of course, today is the day we remember Jesus and the triumphal entry, remember the donkey, remember the palms being waved, and we remember Jesus coming in and the triumphal shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And what's interesting about that, of course, is that every year we remember this on this day, and what happens, of course, sometimes is some of those other events that happen on Holy Week get kind of squished because, of course, there's Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. There's also other events that happen throughout that week. And so what I wanted to do today is to focus on one of those, the story that we just heard, this story of the anointing of Jesus. But first, let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, of course, this is a story that uh, you've heard maybe before, and a story that uh, happens during Holy Week. It's a story that's told in three of the Gospels. It's actually told in Matthew and Mark, and then uh, you would think it would be Luke, but it was actually told in John. It's a story that uh, is very interesting because it's a story of how so many things happen on Holy Week. And Jesus even says at the very end of this that what she has done will never be forgotten. Yet so many times you don't get a chance to preach it. On Holy Week. So I thought I'd remedy that this year. We're going to preach it and remember it because Jesus told us that we would remember this in this day, which this woman had done for him. And it's that story of Jesus's anointing, again, told in Matthew, Mark, and John. We focused on Mark here today, but if you ever just want to compare the stories, it is interesting because they tell it a little differently, especially Matthew and Mark together kind of have a unified witness. And then John tells it even just a little bit differently in some of the details. We're going to be focusing on Mark here today. And Mark, it says that this woman comes in as they're sitting around and, you know, eating and all that stuff. She comes in to anoint Jesus. And when she does, she brings an alabaster jar, which is a very expensive jar. She's carrying nard in this jar, which is a very expensive, uh, you know, perfume, if you will, an ointment, if you will. And what's interesting about that is uh, it's so expensive because the primary ingredient comes from Nepal. Right? So it came quite a distance to get there. In fact, it's so expensive that it's worth... Just the nard alone is worth a year's worth of wages. So imagine just working a whole year of your life, putting it in a very expensive jar, and unnecessarily, you didn't have to do this, but smashing the jar, it says specifically in Mark that he broke it, took this and anointed Jesus on the head. It is amazing to stop and think what was going through her head, and, and probably likely it was one of two things, and maybe a mix of both. Because one is that whenever you had a, an honored guest, especially a speaker, come into your house, it was actually a very customary thing to, to take some, you know, something and anoint that person. And so maybe this is what she's doing. Uh, it is a very, very, very lavish way of doing that if that's what her intent is. But probably more likely is this is the week of Passover. This is the week where, remember, it's the story of the Jewish people being liberated from slavery in Egypt. And it was often thought around this time that this is when the Messiah would come and free the people from the Roman oppression that they were experiencing in that day. 
So probably with the, with the cost of what she brought, she's actually maybe probably thinking, I'm anointing the king of the Passover who's going to come and make all things right. And in fact, that's exactly what she's doing. But of course, the way Jesus does this is in so many different ways and probably what she expected or what we would expect. But this anointing of a king or anointed of a guest happens. And again, so many things were unnecessary about it. The price of the cost of the nard itself, the breaking of the jar, shows how outlandish she was to just show Jesus a passionate way of affection and love. And of course, the disciples and everybody else that's gathered there, they start murmuring amongst themselves. And of course, you're thinking what you and I are thinking, because we're pragmatic Americans. And we're thinking, isn't this a little too much, right? Could we done something, the same exact thing, done a little less, and taken all that money and done something else good with it, right? And in fact, that's exactly what they do. They start arguing about the idea of what should we do? What should have been done? We should have given this to the poor. Think about how many people this could have fed. Think about how many people this could have done good work for. Jesus, in that very moment, turns to them. He says those words, remember, about harm this woman. She's done a beautiful thing for you. He reminds them, hey, the poor you're always going to have with you. You're not always going to have me. You can go help the poor whenever you want. What she has done will always be remembered. And he takes that, notice how he twists it. He doesn't say, she anointed me king of my rightful heir, what I'm coming into. He says, she has prepared me for birth. Of course, in those days when someone died, he would, he would kind of mix a bunch of different things. We know, of course, myrrh and all those different other oils that you put in to help cover the stench of the person as you laid them in the tomb or laid them to their final place of rest. Jesus says in this moment, this is what this is for. Because he knew when the crucifixion happened, there'd be no chance for his prepare for his burial. And so he actually interprets this and tells the people at this table, this is what this is for. This is one of those stories, of course, that is always a head-scratcher a little bit, because you wonder, how do you apply this to our own life, right? I mean, Jesus has already been crucified, he's already risen from the dead, we don't really have a chance to anoint him, but I think it does speak very powerfully to all of us in the world. Because if you're like me, sometimes it's real easy to get into that utilitarian way of thinking, right? That idea of, hey, this costs X a much, we should use it for certain things, right? And in fact, I remember my uh, younger years, I, I did some mission work around, did all sorts of stuff around the world. And I remember going to a, you know, one of the, you know, now they're a dime a dozen, but back then it was pretty new. You know, this big, huge mega church kind of style with all the different lights and bells and whistles and smoke fog machines and, you know, all, you know, the, all the bands and everything. And it's a great atmosphere, great worship. And I remember coming into it and I remember thinking, this is amazing. But my gosh, do we really need all this, people? Like... You know, I'm looking around, I'm looking at the speakers alone, you know, and I'm just thinking in my head what the speakers cost, you know, for the, for the place. And I'm just like, wow, this seems just over the top and crazy. See, that way of thinking, right, of thinking, like, can we just get down to just little tiny things and use them for good and just kind of be okay with just little stuff? It's sometimes the way we Christians think. But what I think this passage would really challenge us, sometimes Jesus uses big, expensive things You think about these disciples that he corrects. I think their heart was probably in the right place of thinking this just seems like a waste. But of course, they had no bigger idea in that moment. They're not concentrating on the idea of what God was really up to during the next couple days. In fact, what she did, Jesus calls beautiful. It's real easy to pass judgment or on someone else's passionate gift to God or 
maybe wonder why in the world, what God going to do with this? Yet God has a way of inspiring people to do amazing and wonderful things. Things that may cost money, things that may not add up in our economics, things that may not be something that we ourselves think are wise to do, but yet God inspires people to do stuff like this all the time. To amazing results that are used for his glory. You know, I think back on that day when I thought about that church and, you know, about all those different items and especially all the speakers I was looking at and adding up in my head. It was used for the glory of God. It was used. And so many people, as I learned over the years, have come to faith through that church, started off their walk with God and transformed their community because of what God used that church for. And I think it's always worth the question to ask. Of course, Jesus wants us to help the poor, wants us to be with them and that's our default stance, but there are times where God inspires greatness. And church, you need to look no further than this sanctuary. Think about our stained glass windows. I was amazed this week again because uh, someone that came to see our church for the first time walked in and said, wow, look at these. And he actually had to stop. We were there for a meeting. and He had to stop and get out his phone and take pictures of our sanctuary and just think about the great heritage that's been left there. And yet when we look at these windows, we remember once again, not only did it cost great effort to make them a great price, could have just said, hey, God wants us to use this for so many other things. And yet they felt the Spirit yearning and working in their hearts, and so they built something that was great value. That many people may come and say, what a waste. And yet we look at it and see Jesus portrayed time and time again. The way God has used this in so many Sundays to inspire us. He holds us in his arms. He's got a plan for our lives no matter what we're going through. We can only stop. I remember a story of a Christian leader that was sharing, and they were from America, and they were sharing this great story of, you know, they were coming from a place where they lived in a big metropolitan area, New York City, in fact, and they were just building a new organ. Their other organ had kind of given out, and so they were putting in a new organ. It was going to cost them a few million dollars to do. He was on a trip to go do some good work over in Africa and was meeting with uh, some African fellow Christians. And they were talking through and the Christians and he was seeing all the poverty and everything that was going on. And he just finally just admitted to his African friend. He said, you know, I just feel so horrible because my church back home putting in a, million, a few million dollar organ with all the work that this money could go to right here. Well, this is a true story, by the way. The African Christian looked at him and said, God needs it. Do it. The man was baffled because this fellow Christian that really just day and day lived in and out of seeing people in suffering and people in hurt understood this concept that God does huge and amazing things sometimes. Sometimes it feels like wasteful. Sometimes it feels like something that we don't understand, but yet God can sometimes use that. The story that warns us also inspires us to think, what in the world? What great sacrifices can we offer? I think about this woman, and again, she broke the jar. There's no going back from the broke jar, by the way, right? And I just think it just shows the completion of her devotion, right? There wasn't going to be anything left. She was going to give it all to Jesus in this moment. She wanted to make sure that every ounce of that nard was given to Jesus anointed over his head. Jesus took that and remembered a beautiful moment. You know, many times people may look at you and say, what are you offering? What are you doing? 
If you're offering it in a pure heart, whatever it is that you offer, God can use for his glory. And may we, like this woman that was in this story, be remembered. Playing our part in this great story of Jesus not only coming to this earth, but even once he left, continue to redeem the earth, redeem the people in to bring people to fellowship. Christian believers in fellowship with God the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Let us pray. God, as we're here, we're once again uh, moved by this story. Because so many times in our life, we come to this Holy Week, and we remember so many acts that you have been so gracious in the work through. Sometimes we forget to tell this story. Yet, Lord, you reminded us, even in those last words, that what this woman had done will be remembered for us. And so, God, as we're here today, we want to to play our part in your story. Lord, whatever it is that you ask for, whether great or small, we give it. And, Lord, whatever we give, we know that sometimes we think we know how you're going to use it. We use it in a totally different way. God, we say amen to that, because when you use it, you use it for things so much greater than we ever thought. God, as we come to this table here today, we remember once again the story of Jesus Christ, on the night which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, he broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you, he gave it to his disciples, said, drink from this, all of you, this cup of my new covenant, we're out for you for many. Forgiveness of sin. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of this. So, Lord, in these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice in union with Christ offered for us. May you be upon these gifts of bread and wine, that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ. And in taking them, we may be your servants and be your people, your very hands and feet on this earth. Lord, by your Spirit, make us one with each other and one in ministry to all the world. But last we come, in peace at your heavenly vision. May all honor and glory and power be yours. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.